Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there. They're all living the devil may care. And I am just a devil with love to spare. So Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. How I wish that there were more than the 24 hours in the day. Even if there were 40 more, I wouldn't sleep a minute away. Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel. A fortune won and lost on every deal. All you need is strong heart and a new steel. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas with your neon flashing and your one-armed bandits crashing all those hopes down the drain. Viva Las Vegas turning day into nighttime, turning night into daytime. If you see it once, you'll never be the same again. I'm gonna keep on the run, I'm gonna have me some fun. If it costs me my very last dime. If I wind up broke, well, I'll always remember that I had a swing in time. Uh, I'm gonna give it everything I've got. Lady luck, please let the dice stay hot. Let me shoot a seven with every shot. What is going on, everybody? Hopefully, you guys are all doing well out there. We're going to bring my brother at Sports Card News on here um, in a little bit. I don't know how much news he gives out on Twitter, but that's his name on there. We're going to be um, talking about the industry summit that's happening. My brother's in Las Vegas actually right now, and I think he was watching a basketball tournament at the Orleans Casino <laughs> um, uh, where the uh, where the industry summit is held. And apparently he tweeted me, hopefully you guys didn't book a room at the Tropicana because there was guys sitting out there saying that there was like bodily fluids on the pillows and in beds. They like made a sign and there was there's like a little area outside the front of the Tropicana that's kind of like a walkway. And they had like sat up there and like put up a sign and like a big sign that said there was like bodily fluids all over the Tropicana. I mean, that, that would be if I saw that when I was checking in there i'd be pretty i'd want to check out pretty quickly um so well, i'd never check into the Tropicana. um but anyways so i thought that was interesting um and i don't think he mentions that on the on the interview here that we have coming up here so we're going to talk about uh the industry summit we'll talk a little bit about las vegas talk about upper deck getting an exclusive hockey license so that was kind of interesting news that happened um a week or so ago and um, we talk about some other stuff. I kind of forget because this was like uh, we recorded this interview last night and I'm getting to recording it this morning. Um, the the other interesting news that I saw yesterday or that most people are probably finding out or more and more people are finding out um, yesterday and the day before is um, Check Out My Cards has really – I've been doing these challenges for them because their contract with Beckett I guess expires as – expires at the end of the month and 
um, this was a contract with Beckett where they had, um, or an agreement that they had with Beckett where they, Beckett would send them card data so they could, they could more easily list their, their cards and also the pricing on a lot of the cards. Um, so they could, they could have prices on a lot of the cards there. And typically you were marking stuff. I mean, my average, I think is 80, 80% off, 86% off, almost 90% off for almost everything I sell. So Beckett's uh, prices are probably, you know, at the higher end of retail. And, you know, if you want to kind of turn and burn it, you got to be there kind of at the 80 to 90% off range. But that agreement ends. And so now, you know, really, I, I thought this was a really kind of interesting move, I guess, by Beckett is probably the best way I could put it, um, because they were essentially getting paid to kind of keep a competitor at bay. And kind of, you know, I think they could have integrated maybe getting a subscription from Beckett and maybe paying for to see prices a little sooner on Check Out My Cards. I think they could have evolved to that. I would have tried to negotiate that maybe a little sooner. Um, but that now they want to just completely pull their data away on, out, out, out from under Check Out My Cards. And I don't know if they thought that Check Out My Cards would, would blink an eye or whatever, but I'm sure they thought about it for a little while. And then realized, you know, hey, leveraging our customers and actually doing that is actually a really good idea because they already have some loyal people and loyal, people like me. I've already built up 2,000 points. Um, I've been doing this in like kind of beta mode, um, this these challenges in beta mode for like the last two weeks. And I have about 2,000 points, which means I've done it. Um, I've probably given them about an hour, a little over an hour of my time. And you guys know how lazy I am. If I'm willing to do an hour, there's certainly people, there's definitely people, I know I'm like 150th on the whole leaderboard. So there's 150 people out there that are willing to do more work than I've already done. So they have loyal people that are going to build this catalog up for them. And check out my cards, I think has a couple advantages now over Beckett because one, they have the card images and they're going to be able to get more accurate prices because I think they should, they will uh, judge a lot of this on maybe past sales and, and input from the community. So the prices are going to be more nimble and more accurate. Um, And that's really what a lot of people like to use Beckett for, especially the casual user. Check out my cards is really going to benefit from the casual user kind of coming over to their site, they're going to inherit a card. So they're going to come back from college and, you know, to their parents' house and, and be, you know, their mom wants them to move stuff out of their room or whatever. And they're going to go through and they're going to see cards they haven't touched in 10, 15 years. And they're going to go to the internet and they're going to try to figure out how much they're worth. And it's, hey, pay back at $9.99 um, a month or whatever it costs or open this account and, and, and you know, charge us money or check out my cards it's probably going to be sign up for a free account they're probably if they're smart them to see the prices on their site they'll make you or book values or whatever they'll make you at least have a free account um, there and maybe some money in your account i i would you know if they really want to do it that way but chances are they're going to give away a lot of this information out there kind of publicly and for free and certainly you can look up your cards on check out my cards and see somebody has it priced at 75 cents and and you know everybody else is around that price your card's probably worth about 75 cents so they're going to pick up a lot of the casual people and you'd be surprised uh, the amount of people that is 
there's a lot of people that are looking for prices of cards and looking for different things on a daily on a daily basis and so they're definitely going to be eating into that a little bit and so um, not that I'm saying Beckett Beckett is this is one of the maybe lesser how should I put this this is one of the this is not the best decision I've seen Beckett make, but I've seen them make some other good decisions. Like they got into card grading uh, many, many, many years ago when that was kind of getting hot and popular. And I thought that was a, a really good marriage for them. Um, I think people questioned it at the time and, and how can they be pricing something and be authenticating something. But I, I think they've they've realized over time, really, the, the money's kind of in the card grading, the money's in probably some of these other databases that they have. Um, I don't think they make a whole lot of money on advertising and kind of those kind of that that business model has kind of slowly died um, with for everybody, not just Beckett. I mean, everybody's, um, you know, when you're trying to charge uh, customers for advertising, unless you have some big, real, real popular website um, and certainly Beckett is popular, but they're not in a big there's just not a lot of sellers. I mean, they're doing an exclusive deal. We're talking about an exclusive deal. The the leagues are trying to ice people out, and the industry summit is icing people out. Um, so that that just puts out less and less people that need to advertise. So that hurts people like Beckett that need that money. So I think that money's gone down. But um, like I said, Beckett probably not the best decision here because really they've awakened a competitor. Um, I don't know how big of a business I, I'm sure cataloging all the cards over there is big and certainly check out my cards probably not going to get into cataloging one of ones or pricing one of ones that people have never sent in so but again I think that's a smaller we're looking at an even smaller segment of the market there there's less people looking for values of one of ones because less people have those cards um, than people just trying to look up the value of a 1989 Bo Jackson or what's that Jose Canseco card worth? What's the Mark McGuire USA card worth now? What's King Griffey Jr.'s uh, rookie card 25 years later worth now? What are those selling for? Let me go look. I, oh, I just found one. What are these shacks worth that I paid a bunch of money for back in the day? What are those worth now? There's a lot more people looking for values of that. Or, oh, I have a, a binder of Michael Jordan's. What are those worth? Oh, those are worth some money. So, or I have a binder of Cal Ripken. What are those? Oh, those are worth money. I have Jeter SP rookies. Cool. Those are worth money. Oh, I have A-Rod. Oh, those are worth a lot, you know? So there's certain players and certain certain situations that people people are going to go back and look at their cards. There's a lot of people that do that. Or there's a lot of people that are at a garage sale. And what do you see? Boxes of cards. Boxes and boxes of cards. So maybe somebody takes a chance on them. So... I see check out my cards evolving into kind of a resource for that. And I said it on it when, when I went to check out my cards um, back in December with Dan, um, we, you know, I remember saying, I think on the podcast that I recorded shortly after, I see more and more people using check out my cards, even if you don't want to buy and sell there. And this is one of the things I saw happening that they were going to be able to establish their own card data. They were going to establish their own portfolio and, and kind of catalog things on their own. And they were going to get into kind of pricing cards, pricing their own cards and establishing kind of a database for that. They're going to be very creative in how they present that to you and the ways you can access that information. And I think it's going to be very valuable 
to you, the collector, and the hobby in general. So it's very exciting. I think in four or five years, um, exciting things are, are going to continue to happen for um, companies that innovate like that. You know, four or five years ago, check on my cards wasn't doing this kind of stuff. That's why, you know, we're going to bring my brother on here in a second. But we sometimes get on these card companies because what do they do that's any different from any other company that's gone broke in this business? We talk about this on the show. Outside of tops, you know, look at Upper Deck. Upper Deck just has celebrated, quote, celebrated their 25th anniversary. They're nothing. They're nothing of them's former selves. They have a hockey license, and that's about it. They make hockey cards. They don't even make baseball cards really anymore. Oh, MLB, we got this MLBPA license. Trust me, there's limitations on that, on how they can use that. Don't be expecting anything just super amazing from that. Trust me, they want to make baseball cards. Everybody does. But look at Panini. Panini's Donruss. What were they? Bankrupt, basically. Score. Bankrupt. Upper Deck bought Fleer. They were bankrupt. Pacific. Crown Royale. Some of these brands might have just been expired and they went in there and bought the trademark on some of these things. Collector's Edge. You guys remember that? Four Sport or whatever it was called. Classics Four Sport or whatever. You know, back in the day. Those companies probably made some money. Certainly made some money. But the high-end model has just never been proven. The put $100 car, you know, put the four autographs per box, you know, three three relics, four jerseys and a relic per box, $120 a box. That model, doing cards like that has not been proven that it works. You know, Panini's had a big injection of money and investment. And we, we'll talk about it here in a minute on the show, but, you know, I really view... Panini, why would you invest all that money, invest all that time, and then just all of a sudden dump the NHL license like it, it was nothing? It, probably because it will, it is nothing. And wait till the next license comes up. It's not like hockey's way down in the barrel, you know. Yeah, it's probably fourth place, third or fourth place in terms of sales. But the other ones outside of baseball aren't that incrementally higher than it. So we'll see. I really saw this this last exclusive license for Upper Deck more of a play by Panini than a play by Upper Deck. And we'll see how, you know, five years later, if you're listening to this five years after I put it out, you know, where's check out my cards at that moment and where's someone like Panini? be interesting to see i don't think people really look that far out typically in this hobby they're looking to the next set or the next year certainly looking to this next year is looking much better Uh, you know we have leaf metal football that's out and i've taken a look at that and and has pretty much every rookie i think you could want in there marion grice kadeem carey uh brandon cooks um, a couple of these other wide receivers are in there. Um, several other running backs are in there. And this is outside of Johnny and Teddy 
and uh, AJ McCarron and Aaron Murray. And I'm sure there's other guys that there's the Jadavian Clowney guy. Um, but, you know, it looks like a good year in football. And if I was these companies, I'd be trying to get it out as soon as possible. I remember it's, this reminds me, you know, the last couple of years have been really good too. Not last year, but the, the years before have been really good. This year looks looks amazing. You have a, a big, big, big star that everybody knows in Johnny Manziel um, pretty much. Or everybody will certainly know him here in about a month or so when the NFL draft happens. So going to be a good year. You know, this is the year you're going to have a lot of people trying to get in this on on the on the buying and selling of these boxes or these cards, and that's fine. Um, really, those are the people that are not going to make. You're not going to make the most money. You, maybe you make money this year, but you don't set yourself up to make any money next year. Uh, really, when it's bad. I mean, you saw that. You saw that in football. This is why it's important to collect some email addresses or build an actual community that, uh, on your own website or, or around your own presence. So you can, in bad years and down times, you, you can still reach out to them and, and, and let them know you're still here. And then when good times come around, because they always seem to, seem to come around, uh, this year in football is going to be great. So wouldn't it be great if you had 900 or 1,000 or 1,500 email addresses? You could just say, hey, guys, I have Leaf Metal Draft Football. Or, hey, guys, I'm going to have every 2014 football box here for you. Or we're going to do group breaks every week for this 14 football products. Um, you know, it'd be nice to be able to reach out for them. That's why I've always stressed that uh, on this show is to establish those kind of relationships and those ones that you can always continue to reach out to people. So think about that if you're into this, if you're into this buying and selling stuff in this hobby, or if you're thinking about getting into it, um, you know, think about establishing relationship this this year because it's going to be a really good year and you don't necessarily have to get into the the buying and selling this is a good year to start a football card blog this is a good year to start a basketball card blog um because you're just going to have that much more interest in it especially if you talk about um really you should talk about what you care about and what you like um but if you talk about some of these rookies and stuff like that it's certainly going to get a lot of interest or more interest than certainly last year when you had like Eddie Lacy and Cordarell Patterson. It's like the best rookies in the whole or that there's the Tampa Bay QB Glennon or whatever. I think came on kind of late. You could maybe give him credit for saving some of this stuff, but certainly not an awe-inspiring year last year, but this upcoming year looks looks decent. Looks decent to me. Um, looks more than decent to me, um, at least at the moment. And we'll see where these guys end up. Some of these guys could end up on on the New York Giants or or the Cowboys or the or the Philadelphia Eagles or the Steelers or the the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, some of these guys could land in really awesome opportunity places and become even bigger stars before they even play a game. So I think it's it's going to be good all the way up until the you know right into the preseason. Hopefully these guys stay healthy, especially Johnny Manziel. And it should be a really exciting year. It should be a really, really exciting year, I think. Um, yeah, that's about all I had on my own. We're going to segue into bringing my brother on from Las Vegas pre-Anderson Summit. So we're going to get you a little pre. We're not really going to talk too much about what goes on at the Industry Summit. I think you guys realize uh, that it's going to be a... Um, 
how should I say, a a BJ fest, kind of, essentially, uh, at um, at the Industry Summit this year. It's going to be a lot of patting everybody on the back, saying, hey, good job, you know, yeah, we had we had this much in sales, and we're, we're growing, you know, there's a lot of people are going to be talking about the upcoming year. Last year was like, hey, the double rookie class, hey, somebody will break out in football, hey, don't worry, guys. That's what they were telling you last year, and it ended up being a horrible year. This year, they're going to say the exact same thing they did last year. Hey guys, it's going to be a great year. Hey, Johnny's going to be good. And, and, and this guy's going to be good. And you have all these guys and it's going to be awesome. And basketball's going to be awesome. And this year they're probably going to be right. But last year they were telling you it was going to be good. So it's, you, you just get the same corporate BS at the industry summit, but it'll be fun to follow. Um, kind of maybe this, I don't know if I'll have time. Um, I'm going to be busy, kind of that week and that week before. But I'm hopefully going to come back. We'll come back after the Industry Summit. I'm going to hopefully watch. I think Brian Gray is supposed to do something. I imagine he's going to do something. So I'll, I'll kind of see what he has to say. I'm certainly going to read what he has to say. And if there's any unbiased opinions there, um, I think I know a couple people that are going to go. I'll probably try to reach out to them and um, talk to them about kind of the tone of the event and see how the dealers are feeling about things. And so that'll be kind of exciting um, as we roll along. I don't think we'll have another one of these until next month. I'll just be honest with you. I'm getting married here in like a couple weeks. I just don't think I'm going to have the time. I'm moving, I think, hopefully at the same time uh, or right before that. So I really don't think I'm going to have time to do another one of these. So um, appreciate, sorry for the lack of them here for the last couple months, but I think um, I'll be able to do these a little bit more often um, here coming up once I get married. Surprisingly, yes, I'll I'll get married and I'll probably have a little bit more free time um, actually on my hands. So that is as strange as that might seem. I might actually get more free time on my hands once I get married here. So or at least for the first couple years here. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to do these a little bit more regularly. But for now, we're, I'm going to sign off for the, the rest of the month, I, I'm pretty sure. And um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I, you can always hold out hope. I don't think there's much hope. But I'll come back um, as a new man, I guess, in the, in the next uh, month, next month. And uh, we'll be talking about the end of the NBA. We'll talk about more of this football. We'll talk about anything that happened. I'm sure there's going to be companies that want to have some kind of announcement at the industry summit. These guys always have some kind of stupid announcement or they d- announce map pricing or they do, they act like they're going to do something for these card shops and, and, and we'll see if it ends up working out, but somebody will say something there, something there's going to be some news coming out. So we'll probably talk about that. And, uh, yeah, that's about it for for me right now. Stay on board. We are going to bring my brother Ryan on for an interview right after this. I'm going to keep on the run. I'm going to have me some fun. It cost me my very last dime. If I wind up broke, well, I'll always remember that I had a swing in time. I'm going to give it everything I've got. Lady luck, please let the dice stay hot. Let me shoot a seven with every shot And we are back and we are joined today by my brother Ryan who is joining us 
on location from next week's Industry Summit Sports Cards. Ryan, how's it going? Why are you in Vegas the week before the Industry Summit and not next week? Tell me you're not staying two weeks in Vegas. No, I am I'm, I'm leaving uh, actually tomorrow, so uh, this is my last night here. There's a, uh, I had... I, I was at spring training in Phoenix, and then, uh, as you know, I can we can get a direct flight into our hometown from Vegas. So I got actually a free flight from Phoenix to Vegas, and then I can get to Vegas to an airport 15 minutes from my house. So, and well, there's a, a WCC, the West Coast Conference. Most people might know that Gonzaga is in that conference. The men's and women's tournament is playing right now. Actually, funny enough, at the Orleans where the Industry Summit is going to be. So while I'm banned from the Industry Summit, I'm not banned from going into the Orleans and watching uh, basketball for the last couple of days. So I watched uh, a, a, a couple men's games yesterday and uh, a very exciting women's basketball. University of Civic, the number three seed, defeated Portland today. So I know everybody out there, I'm sure, uh, on the edge of their seat um, Certainly. for that. I, I was on the edge of my seat watching it. So it was a pretty comfortable game. UOP was never, never trailed, actually, in the game. They got off to an 8-0 run. So I know everybody's really thrilled to hear about women's basketball, but uh, that's pretty much why I came to Vegas, actually, was to watch the, the women. Well, yeah, there's a... <laughs> well, I can think of a, a, a... <laughs> The women and women's basketball. <laughs> It depends on where you're staying, I guess, uh, in uh, Las Vegas. I wouldn't say the Orleans is ripe for – it might be ripe for watching women's basketball, but uh, there are certainly better places in Las Vegas to watch women from. Yeah. Trust me, I'm not staying at the Orleans. Like, (laughs) uh, you know, if you end up at a night at the Orleans and you're in Vegas, what are you doing? Like, uh, yeah, stay at a five-star – pretty much stay at a five-star hotel – Unless you really, really can't afford it. Or don't come. That's my advice. Yeah, I thought all the, you know all those rich, uh, very wealthy people that are doing really good in the sports card business are going to be convening on the Industry Summit next week. And you know that they're just raking in the money and they're just killing it because they're asking ITG and Brian Gray – to not att- well, they didn't really ask. They basically gave. We've talked a lot about, or a little bit about Brian Gray on this show, but I don't know if we've talked about the open letter that Doctor Price addressed to Kevin Isaacson several weeks ago. Now, um, basically saying he was getting the cold shoulder uh, from them uh, about attending the summit. You got any opinions on that and what's going on there? Well, I I, I think his approach was actually really genius, um, and. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I respect uh, what ITG did. Um, you know, he came he came across as, as being really kind of uh, classy. You know what I'm saying? And that's uh, maybe a lot different than how I reacted or how maybe Brian Gray reacted. Um, Brian Gray took him to court. I, you know... Uh, some shots on my own website to Isaacson and and the summit, whereas the ITG guy wrote a real kind of calm, level-headed, uh, open letter. Uh, I don't I don't I don't think it 
you know, it's not going to get him to be able to go. But I think it made him look good, to be honest. So uh, I have a lot of respect for uh, Dr. Price. I've never met him. I think I've seen him a few times at the at the national show. I think I see him more maybe there than the summit. I don't know where he's hiding out at the summit, but uh, when I when I went the last couple of years, but I don't know. I, I, it's a shame that that those two guys um, can't go because I think they bring a lot. Both of them do. Gray with Leaf and uh, ITG. So, kind of a shame. Well, what do you think the reasoning behind that? You know, Kevin Eitzelson, he doesn't know, uh, you know, a group breaker from a, a regular retailer or Target and Walmart, for that matter. Um, you know, he I don't think he's really, his strings are really getting pulled by somebody else. Who do you think uh, might be trying to get him to essentially, um, you know, ban some of these unlicensed manufacturers? Well, that's a... You know, that, that's a really good point. I mean, it's all speculation at this point. Uh, it, would be, it would be pure speculation at this point as to why. I, I don't think it's coming from Isaacson himself. Um, there has to be some reasoning behind it. I think in the case of ITG and Reef, um, there has to be some sort of uh, motive, some sort of back channel, whether it's the card companies, whether it was the licensors, whether it was the NHLPA, whether whether it was the NH, you know, we don't we don't really know. Um, I I find it very hard to believe that Kevin Isaacson, on his own free will, just said, "Hey guys, sorry, Mister Gray, I don't want your ten thousand dollars, you know, and 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 all that stuff. I don't want you to hand out goodies and get Frank Thomas to sign autographs and all this stuff. I just find it hard." I just, you know, I, I hope Kevin Eisen is a better guy than that. I think he's being pressured um, by somebody else. And how high up the food chain that goes, I don't know. It's just speculation at this point. Is it is it Panini? Is it Upper Deck? Is it Tops? Is it them all together? Is it the leagues? You know, the people who actually really control this thing with the licenses and stuff. Is it them saying, hey, if you're going to have this industry summit thing, we can't have these non-licensed guys? I don't know. I don't really know. Um, be interesting to find out. I don't, you know, um, maybe we will find out, but we'll see. Maybe well, I'm sure once uh, Brian Gray gets done with his litigation, uh, he's never shy to shy to talk. So uh, hopefully that happens, and maybe he's able to shed some light on some things. Because I'm sure he he has a pretty good idea uh, on what happened. Yeah, and that'll be interesting. I heard on uh, your podcast you do with Mojo Break, um, they, they did a Doug did an interview with Brian, and Brian was said uh, that he's doing his his own like live webcast or industry summit videos or whatever to tell you what was said there and then what is was actually said or something like that. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, BG? Um, holding his own summit, I guess, uh, during the week. Well, I, I, I have a, I, I have respect for the way ITG handles things. I have a respect for the way Brian Gray handles things, and they're like kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. So, um, I don't mind it one bit. Um, that that's Brian. You know, he'll 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 tell it like it is. He's not afraid to. Get up there and give a speech. 
and uh, and maybe he said, you know, at the detriment of his own company, if he just kind of played nice, nice, and was Mr. Professional, and it was, you know, kind of a corporate leaf kind of BS that, you know, he could do that, but he chooses not to. That may rub people some of the wrong way, and to be honest, I wouldn't blame people if that type of attitude rubs people the wrong way um, at all. So um, I think it's great. Uh, if he does end up doing the little summit videos or, you know, whatever he decides to do, I'll be an active uh, listener uh, on those. I think, I think most people should listen and just respect what he has to say. And, uh, you know, he could be right, he could be wrong on some things. But I would just listen to what he has, has to say and, and respect it. Because this guy, you know, he, he definitely is, is incredibly knowledgeable, no matter what, uh, you, know, you know, no matter how you feel about him. Certainly. And um, one of the more interesting, moving away from the summit since it's next week, I'm sure there'll be plenty of um, whatever, there'll be plenty of talk and things going on that, will be less speculative next week. But is it next week? I think the industry summit's next week, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. Next weekend or, or uh, next week or something. Okay. Week. Um, upper Deck shot and scored uh, NHL license, exclusive NHL license like a week or two ago. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't think I've given my opinion on this show about it. I think I wrote up a little article. Basically, basically, saying it was more of a more of a strategy shift from Panini than Upper Deck really going in there and throwing money around. Um, it was probably more the lack of Panini throwing money around. I think that got them the license. What are your thoughts on Upper Deck um, getting probably something that they really needed? I, I I'd have to say that I was a little surprised by that. Um, you know, for a, a couple of weeks, uh, Brian Gray was kind of one of the people who was kind of saying that somebody was getting exclusive. And I guess if I would have had to guess, uh, I would have thought that maybe Panini would have kicked out Upper Deck, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe if I really thought about it and, and, and you really think about it, um, it was maybe a strategy ship. That's, I, I, if, like you, I have a hard time believing that Panini got outbid. You know that it. I I have a feeling that the, the NHL cards wasn't that profitable. I mean, let's be honest. Hockey cards are what you know the a fourth tier license at best. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have to get you have to get overseas distribution. You have to get distribution into Canada. But it's like a separate. It's like a whole, you know, it, it, uh, baseball, football, NBA, you can go through your normal kind of distribution channels and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it, it's all kind of A, B, and C a little bit for all three sports because they're all American sports and popular in the United States. But when you're talking about Canada, now you've got to get distribution into Canada. It presents many more challenges. Uh, Panini mentioned, I think, some challenges in their blog about how there was a lockout and they started late and, you know, so on and so forth. I just, I just don't think they were making any money on the hockey cards. And at the end of the day, the people who really control the purse strings over there at the company in Italy said, hey, why are we making these hockey cards? Like, forget the hockey, okay, so what? We're going to keep making soccer cards and, 
Billy Staub, NBA contract, and and uh, still have a relationship with the NFL, and we'll go from there. Um, it's a, it's a, at best, it's a fourth tier license. Uh, you could argue that you might rather have uh, some soccer licenses or the U.S. Uh, U.S. Olympic license, or you know, there's probably some other things too. I'd rather make I'd rather make leaf metal draft than create hockey cards. I'd rather make unlicensed pre-draft football cards than create hockey cards. I'd rather make unlicensed pre-draft NBA cards for this draft cap coming up than ever have to make hockey cards in my life. So I could be totally wrong. Maybe Panini went in there, guns blazing, said, we'll pay whatever you want, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But I have a hard time hard time believing that. Upper Deck and the NHL have had a long relationship. It was one of the first exclusive quote-unquote licenses that was given out way back in the in the 90s. It worked great for Upper Deck. It worked great for the NHL. Um, I, see, I think they saw an opportunity when Upper Deck kind of, uh, they kind of had a little, some, some troubles there, and they're not out of the water by any stretch of imagination. Um, they had some troubles, and so Panini was able to get in there. They made cards for four years or whatever it was. I just don't think it was profitable for, for Panini. <laughs> For whatever, you know, whatever reason, they blew too much money on it, and they'll go do something else. Yeah, and I think it, you know, it worked out the best for every, you know, collectors will miss having maybe two choices there, but, you know, unfortunately this hobby doesn't, it's kind of like our government, they don't really do a lot of things for uh, the voters and the people that put them in, and neither do these card companies, but if you take them out of it, um, it, it really worked out well for Upper Deck. They they have Wayne Gretzky, and they got this license now, so I think that's good for them. I think Panini, like you said, probably wasn't making – the money was negligible um, inside their portfolio. And why, you know, now maybe they can not spread themselves so thin, you know. Um, hopefully, you know, I, I'm sincere in saying I hope people don't lose work or lose a paycheck – um, but maybe those people can stay on. They have plenty of other cards that they have to make and that they're, they're going to make. So I think uh, maybe they don't spread themselves as thin. And the NHL ends up winning because now I looked on Beckett and Panini and Upper Deck together had produced over 41,000 cards. And I understand that there's uh, parallels and stuff and, and some redundancy there. But let's say even only... Even if like ten percent of them need to be approved, that's still four thousand cards. Imagine doing that by yourself or assigning that for somebody to do. That's a lot of work, and uh, they're going to be able to cut th- that down. That work, and you know, I'm sure uh, Upper Deck ends up paying for. You know, the MLB is not essentially paying for that, um, but it might make the job a little bit easier on their end. Might make cards a little more streamlined, um, and overall end up helping things. I don't think Upper Deck's going to sit back and relax. Um, you know, they're not in that kind of position. But, um, you know, I, I could be wrong. Um, I don't know. I, there was a lot of negative sentiment, and a lot of people, I was reading some comments, like on Facebook and stuff, and people kind of reacting to it. There are a lot of people who don't like the Upper Deck sets because they're the same every year, and they're boring, and, and uh, you know, it's kind of a... They, they, some hockey collectors uh, were saying that Upper Deck is lazy and and this that and the other thing. Um, so I don't I, I don't I, I just I just look at hockey as being like this 
fourth or fifth tier, you know, kind of entity that you have to get Canada's distribution, which, you know, uh, just doesn't, doesn't seem enjoyable. And, and here's, here's the thing that I think we should point out. Don't be surprised if uh, Panini doesn't make any cards at some point. Uh, that wouldn't shock me. Right, or they only focus oh. on um, stickers. They become the official yeah, sticker what, maker what, what, of... what actually you know. makes money. I, I'm not convinced any of this high-end, you know, autograph patch stuff. I don't think anybody has really proven that business model. Uh, we've seen what has happened to Tops. We've seen what happened to the value of Tops um, and kind of what has happened, you know, to that company. I don't think any company out there, we've seen what happened to the upper deck. Had this huge historic rise, and then boom, they had to lay off like all but like 15 people at the company. I mean, you know, their, their, their revenue is probably 10 or 20% of what it was at its peak. So, you know, don't be surprised if, if, uh, if Panini at some point doesn't make art, gets out of the NBA, gets out of the NFL. Doesn't do it. Just goes home and makes uh, soccer stuff. Maybe they just make NBA stickers. They get a license for that somehow. And they, they, you know, they get, they get the NBA to, to do that for them or, or something or football or. I, I, it just wouldn't shock me. I just don't see any of these companies making a whole lot of money and uh, really kind of proving this new age of, of cards with autographs and patches and redemptions and, and, huge price points. Nobody's proven that to be successful, period. As far as I'm concerned, just because you're still in business doesn't mean you're successful. If you looked at a sales chart, if you looked at the value of the company chart, we're trending downward, folks. And and if you look at the, you know, several companies have gone to zero, went bankrupt, went bye-bye. Well, most so, of what uh, Panini has resurrected, uh, tried, yeah. Donruss tried the memorabilia model, Pacific tried the memorabilia high end model. Um, I don't know what the other brands that they have. Crown Royale, um, Collector's Edge. Even back in the day, those kind of cards were were had autographs on them before other cards had autographs. And Collector's Edge isn't making cards anymore. Um, it just kind of goes down the line. Speaking of distribution and prices going down, I mean, one way you can tell. These companies aren't raking in the money. Is one they're banning uh, rather small companies in in the grand scheme of things from an industry summit after they've attended for many many years in a row. Uh, so they're doing that. So you can tell they're not making a lot of money. Another way you can tell they're not making no money. I don't know if you listened to this week. Doug and Dan did a podcast and they had Rich on from okay. uh, Leighton Sports Cards, I think. Yeah. And they they talked about DealerNet and how yeah. DealerNet's put up the like the the prices of these boxes and I agreed with them a lot on how I think you you have to pay to be a part of DealerNet and now they're offering this service kind of on the side almost for free. I don't know if that's the permanent business model for them, but they they argued why would I pay for DealerNet when I can go over here and do it for free. I agreed with that. I didn't. I know that they're real sensitive to prices being published and and stuff like that because they're they're kind of in the in the business and and that's um, 
you know, part of their, their paycheck and, and what they do. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of thought this was kind of cool. It was a cool way for collectors to kind of look at the price and, you know, it certainly is not going to help hobby shops. It's not going to help, you know, anything. I mean, I was just saying how collectors get thrown out the window a lot. This is kind of something that you get the window opened wide and you get to look at the price and, um, you get to decide, how you're going to spend your money based on the the lowest published price on the internet? Um, so I was wondering how you felt about DealerNet. Well, I don't know. You know, I'd have to probably look into it a little more. I think what has happened, though, in general, and you can throw DealerNet, you can throw some of these like quasi distributors like Blowout or EA Card World or something. It's it's like a race to the bottom in terms of price. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's who wants to make or not make any money selling these boxes. Um, and it seems like, you know, a lot of people, uh, <laughs> wait for the hot I, 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 you know, I, here's where I would put the blame is. The reason why these, I think the reason why these products go down and there's like, there's a real price competition and there's a really low margin, like if you're in that box selling kind of game, because these cards aren't that good and there's not that many customers. That's where the problem lies. I would not get mad at DeaverNet or Blowout or DA or this, 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 this. We need more people buying cards because they're cool, because they're interesting, because it's a hobby, because they're collectible, because they're valuable, because they're whatever. That's what we need. That will solve everything at the end of the day. If you're able to bring in more customers and more demand for these products, I think there's so many people fighting for like, you know, the scraps. It's like a dead bird and, you know, it's all these dogs running, you know, just to get a little scrap of this bird. You know, at the end of the day, we need we need to make it fun, cool, exciting, uh, profitable. You know, there's there's so many things. I, I don't see very many people focused on bringing in more customers, trying to make it cool. Uh, you look how lazy, you know, most of these car companies are with their with their products and and their marketing even, um, it, it, <laughs> there's no, there's no buzz or there's no excitement. Just posting a couple Twitter messages or Facebook posts or, you know, that, that that's not going to drum up a lot of business. <laughs> you, you know, it's, you're going to have to do more than that, you know, and giving away stuff for free in contests. I'm never a big fan of if you're selling something, giving away your product for free. If, you, if I produce something, and was trying to sell something, I would limit how many free contests I had, to be honest. I think the free contests are a little overboard because then you just get a bunch of people who just want to try to win something for free. Um, and these products are too expensive to begin with. That's why you see the product tank. That's why you have dealer net, and it's just a race to the bottom. Who wants to make nothing or 50 cents a box selling it? 50 cents a case, damn near sometimes. Uh, you know, that's why you, that's why group breakers are now successful. It's because people don't want to shell out all the money for a box. They just want a little piece of the box. They want their team. They want their cards. So uh, the problem 
problem I don't think is with you or that. Um, the problem is there's not that many people collecting cards. Yeah, and, and I I totally agree. The demand the demand's just not there. I mean, I'm I'm hopefully gonna not have this podcast run too long because I want to watch Shark Tank tonight. And there's a perfect example of a show where people get on there and they tell you exactly how much they make their product for. So they make it for maybe a dollar, and they retail it for nine ninety nine or eight ninety nine or whatever. And they tell you that on the show, and people f- run and crash their websites if it's a good product. Or something you know people really want, they'll run and crash the guy's website buying them at nine eighty nine, and they they know how much it's cost. They know how much money the guy's making. It's not you know the reason why prices aren't low. You know the reason why prices are low in the hobby is not because collectors out there don't want anybody to make any money. It's because that's about what the products are worth. Um, you know uh, whatever a dealer's paying for them is about what a customer's going to pay for them. So. Right. That's really a sign of your product being bad, um, and it may not be the product's bad. It's that Panini is not really even making that much money on on the product, um, so they need to work out way, different ways to to either bring in some other revenues through not printing cardboard um, or figure out a way to make these sets to where it doesn't cost you as much money. And so Panini, if Panini starts making more money, then the, the food chain starts – you know, the food chain isn't going to reverse all of a sudden. Everybody's going to make money and Panini's still not going to make any money. It starts with Panini making money, making good products people want, people demand. They start making money and then the food chain gets a little bit bigger and more and more people have something to bite off of. But Panini's running at slow, slimmer margins than probably some of these group breakers that are, are running out, you know, a case or two oh, yeah. a day. Um, so better believe that. So, you know, it's it's... It's a long, complicated process, but I agree with you that blaming DealerNet putting up wholesale prices is not really the the problem. The problem is is the products that they're putting up are not very good, and people don't want them, and there's no demand around them outside of a very small circle of people. Um, so, you got any ideas to to explain why you're in Vegas? Why you know not that you're surrounded by the most well run casinos and companies in in las vegas Uh, but any ideas on how they could they could come up with better products here (laughs) i don't know i think i think if i had a good idea i'd write an ebook or or, you know uh uh try to capitalize on it more i i I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're not that interesting. I think there needs to be, I don't know if, it, if any of this would directly impact sales or anything. I just think there needs to be a little more grassroots. Um, you know, you know, leveraging kind of, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I see them promoting these sets primarily on social media or they'll blow a whole bunch of money on some VIP party or just some type of advertisement that really is, I, I don't feel is that effective. Um, you know, Bowman ran some TV commercials or Tops ran some TV commercials for Bowman. I mean, it looked like some third grader set them up on PowerPoint. I mean, if you, you know, if you're going to blow the money on TV ads, at least if you had good or if you had a feeling, um, and I, 
saying that I could have done any better, but then again, I'm not trying to sell these cards. And I'm not in the predicament um, that all these companies that are, that are in. And they're, they're, most of these, or pretty much all these companies are trying to get out. They would love if some white knight would just come offer them uh, the right price for the entire business. So, you know, Michael Eisner apparently has Clippers season tickets, so he's far more concerned with going to Clippers games than, than, uh, than anything else that's going on at Tops. So, um, I don't know. I don't really, I don't, I don't have answers. Uh, I don't know. We, we kind of, we stopped. We got out of this business. We were broke doing that stuff, trying to sell this stuff. So, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have, I don't, I don't think it's a good business. Um, I don't, and I also don't get paid to come up with answers and come up with solutions. Um, that's not my job. That's, that's people who work their jobs. That's people who, you know, make decisions. That's their role. Uh, I think personally, you know, <laughs> we've done quite a bit to promote the industry and, and you host the podcast for free and, and, uh, sometimes there's, you know, we post information on the website, obviously, for free and stuff. So I've tried. I've, I've tried to do my part to make cards more interesting and fun, and 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 provide what little information I might know about them to be able to provide. So, in a sense, yeah, I actually have. You know, well, we both have actually tried to make cards better. I'm sure. You know, our 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 many. Some of our uh, detractors out there will, you know, scoff at that. But you know, there's been many hours where we're just sitting around talking, either talking about cards for free, putting up information about cards, pretty much for free. Um, so I wish the card companies maybe would do that a little more. Um, reach out a little more, communicate better, have better customer service, interact with people more respond to emails, get a better customer service line and, and, and that, the direct line of communication, have a better website where you lay out some of these frequently asked questions and establish better policies. Just lay them out there and be honest. People just appreciate honesty. You know, people know that sometimes these cards, they, they take a long time. There are probably times where the athlete is just, in terms of like a redemption card, the athlete is being lazy and he's not, he's not signing or they, the, they messed up a technology on a certain set. Like, Five Star had some chipping issues. Uh, and base, Five Star Baseball, I believe, had some chipping issues a couple years ago or a year or two ago with some of their cards. <laughs> Just say, hey, we messed up. The, the, the people we got to print those cards, man, it's really bad. We're really sorry. And we hope that, that next year we're going to correct this. I mean, you're not going to give refunds. Don't give refunds to people. Don't give care packages. Don't do that. But at the same time, be honest with people and, and admit when you mess up and have really clear policies, have an easy way to communicate. I think that would solve a lot. It would make people less bitter, make people less angry about the industry or less upset about cards maybe they're waiting for. Maybe they would be apt to buy more. You know? The people who are buying cards, we need to hold on to those people. So try not to upset them with a redemption process or a customer service problem or, or something, you know, I'm not saying,
saying pass out free boxes to everybody that gets a doomed corner out of a card in a pack. And have a clear policy for that. And, and what you have to do, if, if, if you get a damaged card, if you get a redemption card, if you have a question, uh, I just don't see it being that hard. How many emails can these guys get per day? With how many employees they have? It's not like it's a one or two man operation at Tops and Panini. They've got dozens of, probably at least dozens of people on hand who know how to use email, who know how to answer the phone, who know how to, you know, write policy and, and, and uh, kind of an FAQ thing, have a forum on your website, I don't know, have a, do a podcast where you can call in and ask Tracy Hackler questions or ask uh, Clay Lorasky questions. Why not? Um, speaking of, I, I think you gave out some good advice there. Um, I know that next week is the industry summit, and it looks like Doug is going to be um, the kind of the moderator or whatever at his uh, at like the group breaking. There's going to be like a group breaking meeting or whatever. I think it's like two or three hours. It's like really long, um, and he's going to be the moderator there. I'm I'm assuming you're going to talk to him before that. What what give us a little insight on the things that you're going to have you're going to suggest to Doug that he should talk about or at least bring up during the group breaking industry summit meeting next week. Wow. Um I think <laughs> I think I wanted to talk to Doug. I would ask him that <laughs> he shouldn't have to pay for the industry summit, which I'm assuming he had to, if he has to now work for Kevin and moderate a discussion with people he actually competes with. I just, that, I think it kind of puts him in a awkward spot. I would be willing to bet that Doug didn't volunteer for that and that he was probably asked by Kevin, I'm assuming, to moderate that. Um, could be wrong, but I doubt it. So I think Kevin is putting Doug, I don't know, in a tough spot, because there's going to be, I don't know how many group breakers are going to do that, I have no idea. Um, do you talk about raffles? Do you talk about the legality of raffles and even group breaking in general. Do you touch on that? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think Doug would be much more useful being one of the people who could give his opinions and answer questions and provide feedback than if he has to and not that he wouldn't do a good job. I bet he'll do a great job moderating it. And I, that's why Kevin Isaacson asked him. Yeah, because he knew he would do a good job. I just don't know if it's fair to Doug. Um, because he's, he has a vested interest in this. And, you know, so I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know what um, they're going to bring up or, or, or what they're going to touch 
daughter. Well, what would, would you bring up? What would you, what would you touch on? What I'd would be up, your... I, first thing I, you know, is this legal? Has anybody established if group breaking is legal? Or just the way they're selling the packs. I think, you know, the way they're marketing group breaks now is you buy in and you buy a spot and it's sometimes random. It's off. It's always random what you get um, in return. That That's, you know, that that has a lot of in, open for interpretation uh, for legalities. However, there's a lot of other ways you could be selling these group breaks. And I don't need to be on here. I've already given out plenty of other ways you can you can you know close some of those gaps. Maybe it's not a hundred percent ironclad stamped off legal, but at least you close some gaps and close some ways that you could be vulnerable to some kind of action either through PayPal, some kind of lawsuit, or just in general your your business model just kind of deteriorating. Um, there's lots of ways. I don't see any cre- creativity. Most of these guys right. can't even set up a website or have an email list or, you know, stream on oh. a halfway reputable, you know, online streaming site. So right. I, I don't right. expect them well, to come are, up with anything new. Right. Those are almost separate issues. I think me and you are on the same page. I think both of us would agree that doing group breaks is legal but probably with a pretty good extensive terms of service. And you might have to, you know, kind of cross cross your T's and dot your I's with an attorney. I personally think there's a way to quote-unquote make it legal. I don't think anybody is doing that now. I know that um, people are looking into it, though. So I... I hope that discussion takes place because I, I think it's a good discussion to have. Anything that could make your business more legitimate, safer, um, not safer for you, safer for your customers, just safer across the board. You can sleep better at night. Um, the knowing that you've looked into it, knowing mm-hmm. that you're that you're at the very least um, trying to cover your bases. So I hope that discussion takes place. I think all these guys should pool their money together or a group of ten. Don't let one guy hire a lawyer and then everybody copies his terms of service when he says, hey, I have a new terms of service and this is how I have to be running breaks. About 10 guys should come together, pool their money together, get one or two or three fucking whoever you have to talk to, lawyers, excuse me for cussing, I'm definitely not trying to uh, make this like the last time I came on this show. Pool your money together and come up with a solution because I, I personally I believe there is one. If you're able to sell packs and you're able to do these, I, there's a way to make these things quote unquote legit. It's going to take a good terms of service. You might have to send somebody everything. You might have to work the way you're selling this stuff a little differently. You might even have to exclude certain states from buying from you, to be honest. Those are all things you have to look into. But, um, I hope that discussion takes place. I hope a group of, not just one group breaker, but I hope they team up and they they look past that they're competing against each other and they need to realize that they could be really, really, really screwed if any kind of legal action takes place from PayPal, from a customer, from the government, from whoever looking into this. 
could wipe out everybody with the blink of an eye if they wanted to and freeze PayPal accounts and freeze bank accounts and do all this stuff and freeze customer PayPal accounts and just, it would just create a real mess. I hope people look into it. I personally think the distributors and the card companies should be doing this for them because they're the ones who directly benefit the most and who gladly accept these guys buying cases of products from them, but don't want to help these guys make sure their business is as legitimate as possible. Um, I feel that is very important. That's more important than anything. To, to me, more important than anything. You've got to have a legitimate business before you, you do anything. you got to know what you're doing is, is safe, that you're not going to get your bank account frozen, you're not going to get your, your wife's bank account frozen, your, PayPal, your customer's PayPal account frozen. You just want to be running a legit thing. And you need to get rid of these, these guys who are clearly doing illegal stuff, the rafflers, because it, it just opens things up. When you've got these, these, these idiots just doing this clearly illegal stuff, clearly, clear as day, there's no argument, there's no nothing. And all you rafflers, I'll, I'll, I have your guys' email addresses. I have you guys screen captured. I have you guys bid captures on one live. I have your guys' names. I have your guys' business addresses. I will look into it more and find out more personal information for, about you. And guess what? I'll post that wherever the, wherever the F I please. Because guess what? You can't do anything. You're not going to sue me. Do you think... Let me just pose this question to people. Let me just pose this question to people. Do you think somebody, even if they had a ton of money and they were raffling cards and they were like a millionaire... Do you think he would want to step foot inside a United States courtroom? No. So guess what, guys? You can complain that, oh, bitch and moan, that we're kind of calling you out and calling out the razzers. I'll put your faces, video, email addresses, names. I'll put that in public domain because you guys can't do anything please sue me please sue me if i do that because guess what i'll gladly walk into court and guess whose business now becomes unraveled in front of the united states courtroom you guys so think about how stupid that is if you're doing raffles and you're trying to rag on me or you're trying to rag on on colin here look how stupid that makes you sound what can you do nothing nothing you don't want to get anywhere near a United States courtroom. So please, I welcome anybody, any raffler. There's actually Sin City Sports Card. His name is Daryl. Sin City Sports Card. He's on Breakers TV. He does raffles all the time. He sits there and he smokes cigarettes and stuff, and he does raffles all the time. There you go, Daryl. I just slandered you. Please. Come sue me. You're, you're an idiot. You're an effing idiot. There you go. Do something about it. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know Daryl. I don't even know Daryl, but Daryl, you're an idiot. Um, what you're in Vegas? It's we've gone on for 45 minutes. You got any closing thoughts? I know, you know, it's real difficult to make sports cards. It's real difficult to be a group breaker and things like that. Um, real tough. Tough business. Um, I was wondering if you had any closing thoughts for, for everybody. I have some closing thoughts. If you come to Vegas, do not ever stay 
a four-star hotel. You can get on Priceline. You never buy something direct on Priceline. Always go to the Express deals. There's a, I, I, it would take me about five minutes to explain how the Express deals work, but you basically get 50% off a five-star hotel, four-star hotel, and you basically know which one you're getting. They don't tell you which one you're getting, but trust me, you know what hotel you're going to stay at at these Express deals. Go on hotels tonight, download the app. Don't ever stay at the Excalibur. Don't ever stay at the Tropicana. Don't ever stay at Hooters. Don't ever stay at, like, the Riviera, the Orleans. I mean, like, 99% of the, these hotels, the Lexor, never, never, never. Stay away from these hotels. Never. Don't come to Vegas if you can't afford a four- or five-star hotel. That's my quote. And also, <laughs> um... Well, I want to tell, you know, that, that there's, before you get onto Bitcoins, you know, the, the Palms, the Palms is right down the street at the Orleans. And I always found it, it's staggering. Everybody at the industry summit was staying at the Orleans. And I was like, man, these guys must not make very much money because you have the Orleans right there, a short taxi right away. Um, or a walk, you could freaking walk if you want to. Um, the Bellagio is is like a, a taxi right away. Parts of C- Caesars is actually pretty nice. Uh, they don't have much money, but um, they spend a lot on their their hotel and their rooms. Um, so that's nice. City Center is right there. A little it, you know, could have loop around to it, but um, the Aria, the Cosmopolitan are really nice. If you want to go deep, uh, the Win is never cheap, but it's really nice. Um, there's lots of good places to stay in Las Vegas. And I always thought the years that we went to the industry summit, when we were allowed to go, I always found it odd. We were the only ones not staying at the Orleans. We were taking, we, you know, we would show up at the Orleans and go upstairs and when it was over, maybe hang out for a second. But, uh, typically I wanted to get back to the more luxurious side of Las Vegas. Um, so it's not that much money more, you know? No, it's not. It's really not that much money more. Like, and you just, you have to look around. You've got to know what you're doing. And I don't blame all these, like, black casinos are, like, packed with people. And I'm just, why are you in Valleys? Like, why <laughs> Aria is across the street and you're in Valleys? Like, crap. Like, really? Like, I mean, Aria probably has $5 blackjack tables and, and you know, minimum bet roulette and, and crafts. Like, what on earth are you doing in Bally's and Harris and Riviera? I mean, it just blows my mind. Do a little research. Know, know which hotels are good. You know, and definitely the Palms play. I've never even stayed in the Palms. It's probably not that many people know that there's a little condo building called Palms Place that, yes, is literally within walking distance of the Orleans where you get a freaking one or two bedroom suite that you know, with a full kitchen range dishwasher I mean it's like it's basically like a, a, a really really nice apartment balcony you know what I'm saying so guys don't waste your time at these whack hotels don't come to Vegas you you could end up there's people protesting in front of the Tropicana right now I got a picture of them I, I was, went up there and shipped those guys out I was like keep doing what you guys are doing like cause I don't even want to step in. I don't even want to walk into those casinos, let alone sleep in a bed there. You couldn't even pay me to stay at the Tropicana or pay me to stay at 90% of these uh, hotels on the Strip. So just word for the wise here. Um, guys, you could do, you could 
do a lot there. The onion rings at Gordon Ramsay's place. Oh, man. Burger. The bomb. The burgers? Nah. The burgers I'd are good. I'd rather have an In-N-Out burger, to be honest. But the onion rings are stone dead. Some of the best I've ever had. And I just... We're on the food topic. So I was in, I was in Scottsdale. Went to this uh, steakhouse. It was called... Maestros or Maestros or something, and it was like, you know, it was like five diamond buttoned up, all that kind of stuff, you know, $70 steak. They had a twice-baked potato there that I almost fell out of my chair when I ate it. It was that good. So, you know, another good place up there. So anybody who ever likes baseball, um, you got to go to Arizona. you got to go to Scottsdale. It's, it's really... Um, worth it. I actually prefer the Arizona Fall League in October. It's cheaper. There's no crowds. Everything's cheaper. The hotels, the, 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 every, you know, the, the getting into the ballpark's cheaper. So um, I highly recommend either or spring training or definitely, definitely, definitely the Fall League. Um, go to, I've never been to the one in Florida, spring training in Florida, so I can't comment on that. But gosh, if you like baseball, you really got to go to Arizona and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun there. If you're single, too, you got to go to Arizona. So, trust, coming from a guy who's in Las Vegas now, and I live in California, trust me, if you want to see ladies, go to Scottsdale, go to Phoenix. So, that should come on high authority. The fact that I'm in Vegas, I'm from California, and I'm telling you to go to Phoenix and Scottsdale if you're single. So, trust me on that. Very good, very good. I and I think you wanted to touch on uh, the final, um, you know, fail of the week. Fail. Uh, Bitcoin. We've never talked about Bitcoin, Bitcoin on today's on the show. I don't think. We should. I mean, it's too bad. We actually could have talked this whole time probably about Bitcoins and and what has happened. I'm still trying to learn about it myself. I love that Mount Gox Magic the Gathered Online Exchange. What it started at this. French idiot who's dumber than probably every single raffler put together. This guy somehow, some way, either stole or got stolen freaking like $500 million worth of Bitcoin. I mean, you want to talk about a stone dead idiot. I mean, wow. And then some other exchange just got ripped off. And you want to know the biggest idiot is these idiots who, oh, for some reason, Bitcoins are still like five, 600 bucks. I mean, you want to talk about a bunch of fanboy idiots. I mean, wow. I mean, I don't, I don't know what is really going on there. We're talking about shady. That whole thing could be manipulated. The price of the thing could be manipulated. I haven't heard very many people come up with a good explanation for Bitcoin, except that, A, you can move money across a country very easily, large amounts of money, kind of secretly. B, you could buy drugs anonymously and heroin and guns and on Silk Road or some of these other websites. Those are about the only good reasons that I've, I've gotten. Sure, hey, if you got in at 10 bucks and rode that thing to 1000 or rode it to 400 or rode it to whatever, any kind of product, yeah. I mean, I'd be a fanboy too. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you're thinking... If you're in it to just kind of trade and play with it and make some money, hey, right on. You do your thing. That's I actually applaud you for that. But if you think for some reason that your Bitcoins are going to be worth money in the near future or long-term future, you are a straight clown. Like, 
good, you know, good luck with that. So is all I have to say. I, I find that whole thing to be to be very interesting. I love that the guy, you know, oh, you know, we were once the largest Bitcoins exchange, and now, oh, guess what? We're totally broke. Literally have no money and no Bitcoin. Oh, sorry, we're gone. <laughs> and yet people are still buying Bitcoins and think these other idiots running these exchanges are 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 are, uh, are trustworthy and aren't any more of an idiot than the French idiot. So <laughs> be careful with your money. Be careful with who you trust, because uh, I guarantee you that that Mount Gox idiot he wasn't the only one in the group that that. Uh, is going to go down, and uh, it's going to go down hard, probably. Bitcoin, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about uh, Bitcoin. I'm certainly not going to buy any, or uh, you know, now that I miss, I remember hearing about them when they were like a dollar. Uh, so I missed that that rally. So I'm not going to go jump in and chase it. But I can understand why people really love it because if you did buy them, it they were under a dollar uh, not that long ago. And uh, if you wrote it all the way up, even to a couple hundred bucks, um, you, you've made a, a, a significant amount of money. And I could see being somewhat uh, somewhat optimistic about the, the future of Bitcoin. But I, before Mt. Gox went down, I almost uh, suggested to group breakers, you know, hey, you know, fuck PayPal. Get Bitcoin. Do Bitcoin. It's so much cheaper to move the money around too. That was that's what I found. That's why I'm not surprised Mt. Gox went under because it's so cheap to move the money around that you almost don't even notice that fee um, as kind of a merchant. There's some, uh, you know, there's some currency risk in in like you know converting it into U.S. dollar or whatever, but um, there's ways you can do that instantly too. Um, but I don't know how I feel about Bitcoin. I think that it is being manipulated by people with larger money. If you have a lot of money, uh, like there's a couple guys that do that are really interested in it. Um, the guys that actually started Facebook, uh, are like really manipulating it and playing with it. And I think there's other guys that have kind of gotten in other smart money that's kind of gotten in there. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, any final thoughts from Las Vegas? I don't know how much more I can take of this. You know, just I miss Vegas. There's actually a Mastro Club in uh, the Aria, in the middle of the Aria. There's the oh. Mastro Oceans Club. I ate there um, back in October, and it is spectacular. I would instantly go back there um, just instantly. Uh, it was so good. The, the service was so good. The atmosphere was great. Um, it was one of the best dinners I've ever had. Uh, so you you might you might be double you might be doubling up on the Master Club if you if you get over there before uh, you got to leave. Any closing thoughts? Um, no, I think I'm I'm done. Uh, I'll definitely be out of here uh, before the. The, the dork train runs in here <laughs> to Vegas and, um, you know, come home and, and watch more women's basketball. Go University of the Pacific. So take that. And, and Daryl from Sin City Cards, um, you are a raffler. Uh, what's the other idiot's name? Uh, X. Uh, Dad, Dad Father X or whatever. Card Father X. Card Father X. You're an effing idiot, too. Um, 
I thought you had a lawyer. What happened? I guess I guess you didn't want to step foot in the United States court. I'm ready for you guys. I'm ready. I got nothing to do. I got I got it, all the evidence. I got screen captures, date captures, emails, addresses, names, all your customers who who send you cards to Ralph Loss. I got all their email addresses too, guys. I got their names too. I got screen captures. You guys saying to do take gifts. I got you. I got you did captured on on explaining the whole process and explaining the whole raffle process and how it works. I got it all, guys. I got you all. You do it. You do it live and in person. I don't know why you do that. You should be doing this all underground, guys. That's your bad. I can record stuff off just because it's on live. Doesn't save stuff. That doesn't mean I can't save stuff. Oh. There you go, guys. Anytime you're ready, I'm ready to walk. I'm ready to walk into the United States courtroom and open up uh, and expose your business model. If you if you want to say that I slandered you in any way, please let's walk inside the United States courtroom and uh, and let's do that. So I take that as a huge. I take that as a massive compliment. Like. I don't know, maybe if that's really sick, but if I've, I've totally offended somebody and to the point where they feel like they have to sue me or they want to sue me, I feel like I've just totally hit a home run in that spot. Like, can you hit a bigger home run in the broadcasting world? Not like we're cumulus radio over here, but um, could you hit a bigger home run if you if you say something to a guy and then he immediately wants to sue you? That's great. I mean, that, that you know, and, that, and what he's doing is clearly legal, and he claims that he's going to sue you. I mean, it just kind of proves the point of how big an idiot that guy is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's, he's clearly doing something illegal that any rational person would think is illegal, and, and he says, oh, I'm going to sue you, and, and walk into a courtroom and explain why I'm suing you. And open up, and then guess what? My attorney gets to shift through all your shit. Wow, that would be fun. That would be fun. And then I get to just lay it all out. I get to lay out how much money you quote-unquote make. And all these cards you donate to charity. I get to lay all that out and expose all that. Wow, that would be so much fun. Oh, and I've got, like I said, I've got the video. I mean, I've got, I've got them. I've got them uploaded to YouTube. I just have them set on private. I'll just click unlock one day on all of them. Just like, click, 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 click. There you go. Here you go, Mr. <laughs> Sin City Cards doing raffles and smoking cigarettes with his daughter in the room. There you go. Sue me. See what, so, see, we'll see what happens. See if I run away scared. Trust me, I won't be running away scared. I'm staying in a five diamond resort in Vegas. I won't be running scared at all. <laughs> Period. Jesus Christ. I've been, I've been on vacation every month for, since the, for the last year and a half. I go to Long Beach, I go to San Diego, I go to Seattle, I go see Pearl Jam. I was in Phoenix twice within like two months. All league. National show. Look at premiere. Wow, I was on vacation. Yeah, I'm real concerned about one of you idiots suing me. Wow, that'll, that'll just set me back for life. Quite the contrary. It was, boy, love to walk into, love to walk into the United States courtroom with one of you idiot rafflers. So there you go. Here's, here's, here's some great advice. If you guys actually had a lawyer, guess why he would tell you guys, shut the F up. That's what he would say. So there's some free legal advice. That's what he would just say. Shut the F up. Stop talking to these guys. There you go. We'll see if you guys' egos let you do that. I'll wait. 
Always entertaining bringing you on the show, Ryan. Thanks for joining us today. We'll, uh, you know, we'll catch up with you again uh, some other time. Sounds good.